ladies and gentlemen, and all genders outside and in between. Welcome back to Thirsty Work. Tonight I'm being joined by the glorious Amy Sometimes, where we're going to talk about some different aspects of, uh, well, her upbringing. Oh, it's Thirsty Work. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and all genders outside and in between. Uh, it's been a little while since our last episode of Thirsty Work. I had to take a few weeks off where I was busy doing events where I, uh, alongside all of these wonderful podcasts and the uh, content creation, I also run uh, erotic cabarets and nightclub events and a variety of other things. And we had a couple of them that took a little more effort than I was expecting them to take. So thank you very much for your patience, everybody, and waiting for this continuation of the, uh, well, of the Thirsty Work podcast. But now we are back. And we're here, joined by the glorious Amy Sometimes. So, without any further ado, allow me to bring in my wonderful guest, the glorious Amy Sometimes. Hello, you. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very, very well. Very, very well indeed. I think we might have a little bit of lag kicking things off, but I think we should be alright. I think we should be okay. Should be okay. So yeah, Amy, how are you doing? Well, I know this was the, the rearranged version, because you were definitely meant to come and join us like a week or two ago? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think like last week or the week before we had a, a little rain check. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad I was able to make it on. Thank you so much for having me. So am I. So am I. I was keen, keen to have you on because I know that you are, oh, excuse me, I know that you're a very open individual with a lot of things, um, especially over on your stream and and you, you are easily too one of open. the... <laughs> too open. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, you are easily the, the fastest reader in the world. Like the way that you can handle chat talking and, and you interacting with them is is quite the uh, the force to be reckoned with. It has to be said. <laughs> it has to be said. Um, but uh, I've brought you on here to talk about uh, sexual engagement and coital intercourse and, and what have you. Um, what What was your upbringing like in regards to learning about sex and stuff like that? Tell me about that. I think when I had my first period, <clears throat> my mom handed me a book that was about 600 pages long. Okay. That was maybe written in the 80s. And it was all about how the reproductive system worked in a human body. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was just like, a, here's a big old book. Um, deal with it. Deal with it yourself. Was that it? Was that the, the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. And and I I remember the book. She was like, This is your period. If you need pads, these are pads. And um, this is why you're having it. And here's this book. And I remember opening the book and it landing right open to a picture of like a man on top of a woman in missionary. And then like their body parts were transparent. So you could see this is how the penis is inside the vagina. And I was like, Holy Jesus. How old, how old were you at this time? Come on, let's... I was 13 years old. No, 13 or 12 years old, I think. And at that point, I was very much like boys' cooties, you know, uh, the usual normal stuff. The, the usual normal stuff. Oh, my lord. Usual that's... normal stuff. <laughs> Just, ew, boys' cooties, nasty, ew. To recap, you, uh, your, your sex experience was about 12, 13, getting your first period, and your mother just being like, mm, okay, this is a natural process. Here are pads. Read this book. <laughs> Here's I a remember when it first happening, I was like, 
I, I we had done sex ed in school throughout like the beginning of what the end of uh we started sex ed in like fourth or fifth grade i i was in this weird class in fifth grade in fourth grade where it was a combination of fifth graders and fourth graders together mm -hmm. to see if they could accelerate fourth graders by putting them with theoretically the smarter fifth graders uh, and so okay. i got all of my education a year earlier than like normal um school districts in that area at the time had and so i was getting sex ed when i was in fourth grade which which is like 11 or 12 i think mm -hmm. yeah like 11 years old and so i was learning about periods and menstruation so when it happened i wasn't like am i dying i was like okay <laughs> all right all hands on deck i know what this is i learned about this two years ago mom That's good. i have my period and she was like oh my god what do i do and i was like i need a pad and she was like where are the pads and i was like i have this kit that they gave me in school a year ago and she was like fantastic so I was like ready to go. Uh, okay, immediate question. You went to your mother, who I, I'm taking a wild assumption here, and it's very rude of me to take a wild assumption that is, I'm assuming is a cisgendered woman. Yes, my mother yes. is a cisgendered woman. She's Asian. She grew up in China mm -hmm. during the communist era. So imagine that. Okay, and and she like I love the way that you were like, mother, I'm having my period, and she was like, what do I do? <laughs> like, like it <laughs> it's, was that it's way been around. The case in my life. <laughs> I'm like, I know what to do. Here's my pamphlet and here's this. And then, you know, like a couple days later, she came back with this monstrosity of like, a, this is the reproductive system book. And I was like, I don't, I don't want this. I, I don't want, I don't want to have to deal with this right now. So what, what was the, like you say it was 600 pages and it, you had like a, a cross section of um, the intercourse. But what, what was on the other 600 pages? Was it a good book or was it just like, oh my God, this is the worst? So I didn't read the whole book because I started to read it and it was literally just like showing you how to reproduce and what the process of reproducing is and explaining all about your like glands in there and like bodily lubrication. And then like, this is what happens when you're menstruating and like, creating the uterus lining and i was like no no I, I don't want this i mean i i'm not surprised did you ever read any of the book or was that just the be all and end all you were just like nah I'm, I'm good i like opened it to that one page and then i like flipped through to see if there was anything i really actually needed to glean from this book but then i registered that it was like a very old book and i don't even know where my mom got it from i have no idea how she got this book because she isn't like uh, she she was born in China, so her English isn't the best, and she somehow purchased this like ancient reproductive system book and was like, "This is what my daughter needs to know for her period." And I was like, "No, none of this is useful to me. <laughs> I don't need to know how it happens. I need to know what to do when it happens." So, what was your education like? So, you say you had sex education a little earlier than this. What was that like? Was it just like the basic biology, or or what was that like? So. I don't know if they still do this, but at the time in my district, the middle schools uh, would take the sixth graders and or the fifth graders and they would split them between the boys and the girls. Right. Um, and it was very like cut and dry. The boys got this information and the girls got this information. And like a female teacher would go off to go with the girls and a male teacher would go off to go with the guys. And it was very much like 
Um, I, I don't know what they said in the guy one because obviously they they didn't let me. You're literally not allowed to go into that one or know what happens there. I even asked. I was like, why can't I learn what happens to them? And they're like, you don't need to know what happens to them. And I was like, I mean, yeah, but like, what if it, it oh, is helpful? You know, like, what if I do yeah. need to know? What if what if I actually do need to know? What if that actually? How do you know I don't need to know that? I find and they're like, it, I why find would that, you need to know that? Yeah, I find that entire attitude so frustrating because. Like, realistically speaking, as somebody with a, a vulva and, a, like, a womb and having the periods all the time, how much better would it have been if the the people with penises would know about that stuff in your life? If they knew, can you imagine how that would lift, like, so much stigma and so much, like, shame surrounding mm -hmm. a thing that happens to literally everyone, you know? Uh, like, even even... Even the shame on their end, on like their like like you know accidental what hard ons and stuff like that, and the shame yeah. in that situation, and Especially. like having that experience, it would all be lifted. Like we would all understand each other's sides, and maybe it would be a little less embarrassing and a little less like oh god, what's going on? Especially in like the teenage years. The teenage years, good lord, there is no controlling over those things. You, your teacher's like, come up to the front of the class, and you're like, I don't want to go up to the front of the class right now. <laughs> I cannot. I, I must. Mm -hmm. Good. Go. <laughs> I have a I have a jousting thing in my pocket, and it's not pleasant. You know, it's it's like yeah, it was just. <laughs> I so... left my banana in my pocket, yeah. oh, and, God. It's stuck, uh, and I just look. I can't. <laughs> I, I can't right now. That's fine. <laughs> but it's weird as well because then it becomes like like guys and all people with penises, especially um that whole dynamic. I remember my mum first asking me; she was really ill. Like she had some kind of flu or something like that, and just being like, "Hey, Val." Can you go around the corner and pick me up some pads? Because I've started my time of the month. And I was just like, what? What? You want me to do what? I have to go around and buy feminine hygiene products? Oh, my God. And now I look back at it now and I'm like, what? Like, it's not an issue. Jesus, I, I literally have some in my house. Despite the fact that it's, it's two cisgendered men that live in this house, I always have some around in case somebody with a vulva needs one, just in case. Never know. Exactly, exactly. But that was- And I, I have like a, one of my managers at work, literally, you can use this excuse to get out of anything because he immediately is like a hands-off, don't say anymore, I'm good, grossed out by it. Literally, if I just go up to him and I'm like, I'm having a period issue, he'll be like, take the whole day off go into the world i don't care what you do just just handle it don't tell me anymore i don't need to know and he just, like immediately runs away <laughs> whatever it is I, I'm, I'm good i don't need to know anything more than this yeah and i'm like you have a daughter and a wife like what what do you mean why are you so squicked by this exactly you will have to deal with this at some stage because there are people in your life that regardless of who you are in the entire world there are people in your life that will have vulvas and will have periods like you, it, it seems so unbelievably weird to me but i remember what it was like i remember what that was what that was like so then with that kind of haphazard approach to um and i call it haphazard from from my experience as a sex educator approach to uh sex education what was it like when you got into the like the years i'm not gonna say teenage years but the years that you were particularly interested in getting all touchy touchy with people of your your interest i remember i remember the first time i i discovered self-pleasure i don't know what we can say on twitch but like I, when it's you all educational pleasure it's all educational like so it's, yeah. um, oh, oh, so, we're above so the first time you masturbate when you're like a teenager when you're first discovering it, you're like mm -hmm. 
oh my God, what is this? This feels great. I bet you this is bad. (laughs) 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 I don't know if it's the same experience for everyone, but as somebody who came from like a conservative Asian culture, um, I remember the first time it happened, I was like, this feels too good. I can't have this. If I do this, something bad will happen to me. And, and any, t- any like random thing that I'm bad, like, like, for example, if I like, uh, bought an ice cream and dropped it, oh, it's cause I masturbated it a week ago. What? That, that was. And I, and I, and I started because it was like a shameful thing. Cause like my parents hid the fact that they had sex. My mom hid the fact, you know, like after she got divorced and stuff like that, like every, it was a secret. Sex was a secret. All of that was a secret. I didn't even know that masturbation was a thing everybody did because nobody's talked about it. You don't learn about it in school. You don't, you know, your friends don't tell you about it unless you're, you have good open friends. But I was in this very, like, uh, I, I grew up in a very rich white uh, dis- school district because mm-hmm. my mom worked at a restaurant there and her boss had, like, housing for us. So we were able to be in a very rich school district despite being very, very poor. And so I was surrounded by very conservative people. And so none of my friends talked about anything like this. And so I started thinking, oh, this is like a shameful secret. Nobody talks about this. Maybe I'm the only one that does this. I have nobody else to compare notes to or talk to about this. And my mom doesn't know anything. And I like was like, no, nothing. No, just putting the feelers out there. This, this, this yeah, like, no, nothing. You don't like mm-hmm. in like a gotcha, gotcha. Fun, fun time here and there. No, secret. No. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> But that's you see this is the thing this is the thing that I find so interesting. I was I was speaking to somebody, um, literally on the last episode of of the Thirsty Work podcast, where we talked about like, um, specifically like religious um upbringing and the idea of guilt and that dynamic of nobody talks about it. It feels good, therefore it must be guilty. You must feel guilt about this. this that's is like the, the direct only. train of thought immediately. <laughs> Why would you feel anything else other than guilt? Like preposterous. It feels good, so it must be bad for you because mm-hmm. chips and fries taste good. So and they're bad for you. And and candy <laughs> tastes good and, and cakes taste good, but those are bad for you. And this feels good, so it must be bad as well. And like that's, everything that's good must be everything, bad. Everything good <laughs> must be bad. There's no other way around it. It must be bad. And then obviously, like you you get onto the okay, well, if you don't mind me asking, when was the first time you had sex oh my gosh i'm a pretty late bloomer the first time i had sex was when i was 21 mm-hmm. but i 21 but i had engaged like i had engaged in like oral sex prior to that uh-huh. but i didn't know what i was doing i didn't know what was going on at the time because i was like is this okay? I mean, it's not going in me, in in me there, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's probably fine. And 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 then I was like, and then so in my brain when I was younger, I was like, that didn't count. Yeah, that I mean, that's a really interesting dynamic because that's something that a lot of people, especially in the sex education world now, are trying to combat because it's like, okay, what is sex? Well, sex is a yeah. penis in in a vagina. Well, what about people that have got two penises? What about people that have got two vulvas? Like no penis. No, oh, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like it, it's it's one of those situations where the definition of sex is so outdated 
And I did a, a yeah. full seminar on it where it basically comes down to, like I said, just, what is the intimate an intimate experience between two people that have that kind of erotic charge to it and what have you. It can be mm-hmm. anything. And and there's a lot of times um, there's a fantastic creator called uh, Hannah Witten who talks about how she considered, like when she's been with um, people with penises, it's always been penetrative sex is sex and anything other than that is not. It's it's oral sex or whatever, but it's not as at the same level. But when she's had experiences with people with vulvas, it's been on a different level. And it's like, oh, that that is sex, despite the fact that it's but the it's same But it's absolutely thing. still sex. Yeah. And it, it's really interesting when you take out the heteronormative dynamic that like what can be considered to be sex it's, it's if the this is so interesting there. because when i was when i was a teenager i didn't think the oral sex really counted i was like it's just pre-sex <laughs> mm-hmm. like the prequel to sex right and then um and then i went to college and i made some special friends in san francisco that opened my whole world up to like a whole different new world and suddenly i was like oh my gosh this is this is, I didn't know any of this. And and that's when I was like, actually, that also is sex. That's very intimate. You can catch STDs from it. You can do, you know, things, things can happen there and things do happen there. And um, and then and then when I got older, when I had like full penetrative sex, I was like, okay, this is sex. But then I was like, but it isn't because that also counted as sex. This is just like another version of that. What What difference does that make? And then when I started having sex with, not cis males i was like wait a second but this is also sex right right do i separate it do i catalog it like this is the first time i had sex with like this gender and this gender like that can't all count as a separate thing it's all sex at the end of the day oh completely and utterly and it's actually one of the the big problems that we've got with like toxic masculinity at the moment is the fact that you've got like all these men who obviously are particularly misogynistic usually in their their dynamics and they they're fine with women being with other women because it's not penetrative sex so it's not really sex. doesn't count it doesn't count yeah. there's not a penis involved so it doesn't count so it's perfectly fine for them to go off and be with other women because it just doesn't count it's cool they, they find it kind of hot or whatever and it's just like that was you. definitely a dynamic i had in my cis relationships where they would be like Oh, it's okay if you make out with a girl, if you go have sex with a girl, if you want to, you know, do whatever you want with a girl. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but what if I have an emotional attachment to the girl? Like, why do you think that that's not a threat? Why do you think yeah. that that doesn't change the dynamic of our relationship? That doesn't add an extra person to it and change the entirety of the relationship. Oh, and it completely does. And it, it is that is that is that undervaluing of a person's emotional dynamic. Of being like, oh well, you you obviously couldn't fall for them because they're the same gender as you. Yeah, pretty pretty sure you can. <laughs> Look at the world as a whole. <laughs> Even more so, you'd mm-hmm. imagine like having somebody in the similar gender there's so much to relate to there as well so if anything that's even i feel more of a threat yeah oh if if you were to see it in like that manner right but of course there's there's no penis so it couldn't possibly be no of course not not a threat there's no penis (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing so you so you're saying like you i think a lot of women to women relationships would disagree that i completely concur I completely concur. <laughs> a lot of, um, yeah, 
like lesbian relationships or woman to woman relationships who are, who are very much concurrent on the fact that they're, they're all right without a penis in their life and their like relationships are completely valid regardless of that fact and it's it's just, just as just as just as uh, fulfilling just as fulfilling Shocking. probably more fulfilling in a lot of scenarios if I'm honest with you if I'm honest with you because you know like you say it's that whole thing of when you have the same equipment as it were when you have the same sort of genitalia, you, you've you got a much... You might not know exactly, because obviously all genitalia is uh, different and what have you, but you you probably have a better idea of where what you're doing with it and what is going to yeah. likely feel nice, you know? One of those scenarios. One of those wonderful scenarios. So you saying you've grown up in, like, a, like a white um, area as... Um, somebody with uh, like Chinese heritage and so I don't know your your full heritage yourself. Is it was your father Chinese as well? I am. My mother's Chinese and mm -hmm. my father is. Uh, he's 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 a southern he's a southern Asian and the original peoples did derive from China, but mm -hmm. they're an expatriate sector of China and they become like enmeshed with southern asian culture so it's very like laotian cambodian okay. thai mix yeah yeah down there um it's like a whole separate it's a i don't know in english i can't i've lost the name but it's Tao Yun, and they're essentially like a group of people that originally came from china which most asian people came from china right that started there mm -hmm. and then they all like he and then they emigrated so he's kind of like laotian southern east asian so i mostly identify with chinese because that's a culture that i predominantly grew up with yeah. but um i do have a bit of like thai and laotian culture and stuff like that in me as well oh cool 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 and and was that uh problematic growing up in like a, a white area by any chance <laughs> So my mother and father divorced when I was quite young, when I was seven. But my father uh, is very misogynistic, and and I don't I don't speak to him anymore. But um, he's very misogynistic, and he um, he was very very like old school Asian culture. Women are just baby makers. They handle the household. They, you know, et cetera. And then also he was one of those Chinese fathers that was very much like, okay, what gender is the baby? Oh, it's a girl. Damn. You know? Yeah. 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 I've, I mean, I've heard of the stereotypes, obviously of, of like, um, the, the thirst, the, well, thirst probably about the, the eagerness for, um, a male heir male male children are the only way to go and if it's a if it's a girl oh well i suppose I've, uh, we'll deal with it we'll, we'll deal with it till a boy comes along um but yeah and and so like growing up in that kind of like like white area with a lot of um white friends and what have you was there any disconnect in that like like culturally Ooh, um, there was a lot of um like what's the direction is it white dysphoria or asian dysphoria where where i spent a lot of time looking at myself in the mirror and thinking to myself why don't i have blue eyes why don't i have white skin and blonde oh my, hair okay. you know why am i not caucasian i look so different from everybody else and i eat such different food and um there's a lot of like shame from that and and i always felt uglier than everybody else oh. my best friend back then was this beautiful girl who looked like What's her name? The Lizzie McGuire actress. She okay, looked yeah, just yeah. like her. And so she was like 
perfectly blonde and blue eyed with the pale skin and everything. And we were literally like sun and moon next to each other as best friends. Like we would do everything together, all the classes together. We would like hang out all the time together, go everywhere. And it was always like Katie and Amy. And, um, and I remember being so envious of her and just always being like, everybody thinks she's the pretty one and I'm the ugly best friend. And, and I was, I always grew up with that kind of vibe that like, I was the ugly Chinese girl and she was the pretty blonde best friend. Right. Mm -hmm. And she was the main character. And I was like the supporting actress because of media, the area I was in and like very few Chinese people at my school, like one or two that I also was friends with because and did you, I love that, there was no other Chinese people and therefore There's we no were us. friends. You, you all become friends and everybody lumps you together because you're all, we weren't even in the same grade, you know. You, <laughs> wow, wow, I love that. Oh yeah, you, you know, the, it's like when um, people in, like with the, when I went over to America and they were like, oh, you're, you're British, you know Dave from London. And it's just like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> you, realize, you realize that even though Britain is, is very small in comparison to America, we don't all know each other <laughs> like that's just the way it is um and yeah like wow i can imagine that especially when because i mean really speaking in in media as a whole we are already plastered with what beauty should be and i know that the vast majority of people i i know of including myself at certain points in my life have always compared ourselves to that beauty to that that dynamic and what have you but without because beauty as we see it is very caucasian it's it's very white as the media sees it um is and and you're saying that that literally especially growing up in that kind of dynamic that literally had an effect on your self-esteem and what have you did you find that oh constantly i remember um just growing up and always like learning about western history because in schools they just teach about american history right mm -hmm. and uh, the western history that leads to the american history that we have today and so you don't get to learn about like everything else you don't get to learn about the other parts of literally the entire world you know um you you just like learn even when you learn about like egypt and mesopotamia it's to get you to that segue of like western culture and western world and how all of that developed into the current day and age. Mm -hmm. And so I always was like, oh, Chinese culture must be so boring. Um, there's no history. I don't know anything about it. Everything is just like what I see in the movies and the media. And I watched a lot of like Chinese dramas, but I never took it as like historical accuracy, obviously. Yeah. But um, as I grew up and, you know, came into my own and started realizing that like, I don't know anything about my culture because my mother was always working every day um, as a single mom. And so uh, and so she was working and didn't have time to teach me about my culture besides like the holiday traditions that we just okay. always celebrate. Like I always knew those because she would teach me that because that's those are the days that she would be with me, right? And so as I grew older and started like doing my own research and learning about the culture and learning about how vastly rich and dramatic and absolutely batshit crazy that's the culture is and all the things that happen in Chinese history throughout the years with the kingdoms with like the, the feudal ages with all the wars and etc like all the craziness I was like oh my oh my god this is like this is like movie worthy no wonder no one all the movies that I've been watching all these tv shows are all based in that rich culture and history that I didn't I took for granted because I was like this is just a fantasy movie about fantasy people wearing yeah. fantasy clothes and, and but then these are realize. all actually my cultural clothes. 
They, they might well have been westernized, but there's base back in the in the the truth of of your your heritage, which is which is really cool yeah. to see. It's really cool that you had that discovery. And did that have like a, an effect on you? Like we talk about obviously sex and the way that you saw yourself and and that aspect. Did that make a change with you? It was a big change because I became really obsessed with being Asian, being the Asian girl in the group. And so I, I took it upon myself to like educate people about Chinese culture, Chinese food, showing all of that off to people and being like, look at this. And I became really obsessed. I, on, on one hand, so when I was younger, I was really obsessed with Western culture and I was like a huge Francophile. And I, I loved like all these things about France and the food and the culture and the language. And then when I got into college and started doing my own research and learning about my culture and and being on my own and realizing that like I didn't have an identity that made sense because it was so steeped in like what where I lived and the friends that I had at that time in the small like bubble that I lived in. And so as I grew older and started to learn about things in college, I became the girl. I, I took everybody to all the Chinese restaurants. I taught them about Chinese um, culture. I taught them about like traditions during holidays. I started getting like really uber focused on being Chinese and like proving to people that, yeah, I am Chinese. I'm Chinese American. Here are the ways that I'm Chinese. So, so without cool. a doubt, I am definitely Chinese because, you know, this doesn't show you anything. <laughs> Apparently, it isn't enough just to like exist. <laughs> no, I haven't offend. It's just like, oh, what? What do you mean? Oh, good luck, you Chinese. Just, just to verify and make sure that you understand that I am Chinese. Here's mm. some dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And uh, people on the podcast again, we're literally like going back to the cover and just being like, are we just just check, just one hundred percent check that she is Chinese? Sure? Yeah, are we are we one hundred percent sure? Verifying. I can I can verify right now that Amy sometimes is definitely Chinese. <laughs> I love that, and like I suppose this this kind of uh, leads into uh, kind of a, a dark area um, that I that I have to really broach because it's only something that I've really come across relatively recently in the in the past like five six years really which is the fetishization of people and uh races and cultures and stuff because you you came from obviously you you had was integrated into this this white culture and then rediscovered your own um culture and was like oh my god this is absolutely amazing but i'm all too aware that that isn't always the case, and there is definitely a a certain element. Have you had experience yeah. in? Um... Oh, man. <clears throat> I couldn't even count on all my fingers and toes how many times I've been fetishized just in my college career. Because when you go to college, I went to a private art school in San Francisco, so we had a lot of people from all over the world, from all over the country from people that have not been in a big city, that have not met very many Asian people, um, but, you know, have love, you know, Japanese culture and anime and Chinese culture and Kung Fu movies and Kung Fu and et cetera, et cetera. And so I started, I went from not being noticed ever, not having anybody noticing me and really paying attention to who I am um, as a person next to my, like, 
wider friends, right? And then I went to high school and there were more people, more more Asians. So I was now one of many Asians on the campus um, who all fell into a category and the, oh, the, the Asian category. Um, these are the Asian kids. And, and so uh, it's mostly like the Asian kids would hang out with each other for prom. Only Asian guys asked me to prom. I, I was once again still the Asian girl that was Asian and nobody else would take an interest in her because she was Asian. <clears throat> then I got into college and suddenly I had tons of attention from people that I never expected to before, like white people. And I'm like, oh, oh, you guys are interested in me, like white women, white men. And they were all just so intrigued by me being Asian and like, oh my gosh, you're Asian. That's so cool. Like, let's go on a date sometime. Let's Let's go on a date to a Chinese restaurant. Take me to a tea place, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to show you my culture. And this was like me being so excited to finally like discover my identity and, and be excited to be Asian for the first time because so many other people were excited that I was Asian. And then suddenly I realized that like, you know, further down the line, I'd be like, wait, why is it every time we do anything, it has to be about me and about me being Asian and us eating Asian food. Don't get me wrong. I will eat Asian food 24 days out of the month and not blink an eye. I will. I love Asian food. This is just what I grew up with, right? It's what I'm used to. You can't stop me. Boba every day, doubling the day, whenever. Like I will eat Asian food all day long. So it, it took a long time for me to notice. But suddenly I realized like, hey, hold on a second. You only call me when you want to go eat Asian food. We only go somewhere when you want to eat Asian food. You only talk about me being Asian. We only talk about Asian things, anime, movies, kung fu, whatever. Like, I realize that, like, once I'm done talking about that, if I just want to talk about anything else, I want to talk about this, like, Wes Anderson movie that, uh, Wes, yeah, Wes Anderson movie that just came out. You don't want to talk about it anymore mm -hmm. because that's, like, the whitest director you can yeah, find, yeah, yeah. right? But, but you want to talk all day long about, you know, Wong Kar Wai is one of my favorite directors. He's Chinese. You'll talk about him all day long. But we can't talk about all these other directors that are just as interesting, but maybe isn't in my culture. You know, like you're yeah. super obsessed with, you're only watching Asian movies and Asian films. That's weird. You don't want to see like everything else. It's important to know all perspectives and directions so that you can become a better artist, right? As a filmmaker. Mm. And, um, and, and suddenly I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. You're not even Asian. Like, why are you so obsessed with this? How did that affect you when you did realize that aspect? I thought that that was all... When, when I was younger, I thought that was all I could get. Like, that, those are the only people that could ever be interested in me. It's just the people who are interested in me because I'm Asian, because I bring that aspect of myself. So suddenly, this identity that I was really excited to, to discover and finally own suddenly became like almost a weapon against myself because it was all that felt like was important to yeah. people. Like they didn't realize like, what about this like crazy vibrant girl underneath here? You know what I mean? What about all of the other things I bring to the table? My, my exuberance, my intelligence, my charisma. No, no, no. Just the Asian part. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's that whole thing of when like you, you get it, I know you certain people get it in a lot in the LGBTQIA community as well in the regards that it's it's when it becomes their full personality. A lot of people when they when they realize their um, sexuality, especially if it's not heteronormative, they really embrace it and or, or even um, realize their their gender if it's not the the binary. 
they really embrace it and they um get involved and they really they dive deep into it like you did with you with your um asian heritage and they they go all about it and then it suddenly becomes like okay it you, that is not a defining personality trait like yeah. it's a part of you which is a very important part of you and it's so unbelievably important that you embrace it as part of yourself but it's not a defining personality trait that the people should be interested yeah, in you it's just for a, you another not aspect because... of like mm -hmm. the beautiful multifaceted self that you are yes. you know yes. and when you first discover it you're so excited you delve right into it you you take all the parts of it you're so happy that people acknowledge it out of you and they see it of you right and then and then suddenly you, you hit like a tipping point and then you're like hold on hold on wait do you even know me or do you yeah. just know this one part of me do you care about the other parts of me and did they sometimes no sometimes yes i have i i have of course dated people who cared about more than just the asian part of me yeah um mm -hmm. but i've definitely like i would say that the predominant people that i have been with have always been like i, I want to say this is a sad percentage but i want to say like 80 percent of the people i've been with were with me because they were curious what it felt like to be with an asian woman that's... And this is this is actually a funny story that I tell on my stream. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes if you come into my stream, people will be yelling about Asian lips. And it sounds weird and racist, maybe, but it's it's, it's my fault. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Some explanation might be required. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my college stories that I tell that's a funny story um, was my first time I kissed a girl. And um, it was an experiment. I had a roommate in college who would get drunk and say outrageous things that young me didn't really peg as, hey, maybe that's racist. Maybe I should call you out on that. Um, and young me was like, oh, yeah, scientific experimentation. That makes sense. Um, but my, my, my dorm mate, she said, um, hey, I've, I've never kissed an a Asian lips before. And I was like, no, never. She's like, yeah, I'm from Ohio. There's not too many of you guys there. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense, you know. <laughs> and and uh, and I was like, yeah, well, like I I don't know if it's any different. I've I've only ever owned Asian lips, so I've never. <laughs> <laughs> and so and she was like, yeah, because like you know the shape of your lips are so different. They're so much more full. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess I guess I could feel different from like kissing lips that are a different shape yeah. that, that could make sense to me but <laughs> it's that one thing so, in hindsight and she was inebriated yeah. Yeah. in hindsight i was like maybe she was interested in me but at the time i was like oh yeah this is all scientific experimentation we just need to know this for science and so she was like do you mind if i i made out with you so that i could figure out if like if it feels different and i was like yeah yeah sure that makes sense why not for science for science it's not, it's not like it's, it's it's not weird because it's for science right scientific oh, theory of course of course <laughs> yes for, for scientific theory i mean it's it's only right it's only right did you do the law of averages as well make sure you do it three times just to be 100 percent sure um, you can get <laughs> we made out that night a couple times just to make sure just to and be then sure, another time months down the line she got inebriated again and was like hey I discovered this new kissing technique in Cosmopolitan and I, I need to practice it before I go on my date. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, all right, where okay. are you going to practice it? <laughs> me. I, I, I love, the that. Answer was I love me. that. Was young Amy just very naive or like? 
so naive so naive <laughs> i was like i was like no she says she's straight so i mean she's not interested in me she's just trying it out no of course not of course not just very just trying it out just to be just to be 100 percent sure just to be 100 sure scientific oh, theory we have a hypothesis we have mm -hmm. experiments control groups <laughs> It's it's only right control groups. I just got an imagination. It's just been right. Okay, okay. We've got all of these people now. We need to make sure we get di different people from all different cultures and all different races and what make have you. Make sure um, are everyone's... the loops different between exactly. them all? We're not sure. Right. We need them all lined up in a line, and you can smooch somebody and then move on to the next person and smooch them and move on to the next person <laughs> to make sure that everyone gets an equal view. And at the end, you do, you're filling out a four page review. <laughs> like what? Just, this is my what? essay, my PhD paper on the different lip qualities between <laughs> cultures and, and races. Oh, wow. Wow. That is that is wild. I, yeah, I've never heard that story before. And um, that is, yeah. I, so I, if you ever I come into my stream and people are yelling about my Asian lips, it's because of that story. It is, there's there's a background to it. It's not just straight up yeah. racism in the chat. I'm just weird. It's not I'm being weird. It's my fault. It's oh, about a terrible story. Which oh, in retrospect shit. is hilarious and really just like. Oh, it really is. It really is. And it and it's wild as well, because like, do you, do you know, the only time it was actually the uh, BLM protests that that, um, that really started me thinking about this, about the fetishization of, of different people from different cultures, because I went to one of the, the marches um, and was just like, yes, 100% um, sticking up for or, or standing beside uh, black people as they were protesting about the way that they've been treated for eons and eons and eons do you know what i mean um and it was a, a lady i cannot remember her name for the life of me but a lady who got up and she started talking about the fetishization of of being a black woman and the fact that like she was like i'm sick of it i'm sick of um people saying these things about me i'm sick of people saying oh because i'm a black lady i must be um uh, i must be a, a whore i must be these things because I, I listen to rap because i'm do these things um and it was the specific moment that that made me genuinely stop and, and freeze in my tracks and she was like i'm sick of getting with people who say i've never been with a black lady before and i was just like oh shit yeah no that is that's something I've never even considered because, I mean, maybe it's just because I've grown up around very liberal, multicultural, accepting people. But it never even occurred to me that that people would see them. Oh, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, I, I need to go down my tick list of people to, to get with. OK, I've got my I've got my white lady. I've got my Asian lady. I've got my black yeah. lady. Just... I have gotten that line plenty of times. I've never no. kissed an Asian woman before. You're the first one. I've never been with an Asian woman before. You're the first one. That's a line that I have heard more often than not. That's... And, and the worst thing about it is, I think, I think the worst thing about that for, for, from my point of view, with my life experience and um, have, having met, being a social butterfly that I am and having met as many people as I am, I can nigh on guarantee that those people mean it as a compliment. No. I, no? Definitely not. Because I could also be like, well, you've never been with me before. Yeah, and, and I completely concur. <laughs> but like from, from, my point of, uh, from my point of view, from, from my perspective, just like the idea of being like, oh my God, I've never been with this person. So that makes you special. And it's obviously backwards. It's also completely fucked up in the, in the brain. But that, that whole dynamic of, of 
people's perspective perspectives being like I, I want this person to feel special, so I'm going to let them know that they're the, the only... That they're my first. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's so and special just... that you get to be the first one. And that that in itself is is so toxic. So toxic. It, it's unreal. Um, and and like, we, as we've just discussed, the, the fact that it is hugely racist. Um, and It takes away from the individuality of the person you're with, mm -hmm. which is already special, right? Being with anyone is special. Having the privilege to be with someone physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever have you, that's special. And that's so precious. And I think like human to human connection is all we're seeking for in life, really, right? For mm -hmm. the most part, whether it be romantic or physical or emotional, all of that is special in and of itself. But when you make a statement like you're the first whatever race mm -hmm. or lesbian or gay man or bisexual woman or a trans person that I've ever been with, you change that, suddenly you're no longer a person. You're just um you're just a percentage mm -hmm. you're just a category you're just another like checklist item that i get to click off tick off my list my my bucket list of sexual uh, exploration or whatever yeah. have you suddenly i'm not a person i'm just a goal yeah <laughs> and and that, that's so dehumanizing like I don't know, like, I, it, it made me very aware, especially at that moment, and obviously the more that I've researched about it, the more I've, I've found out about it, and the more people's experiences I've, I've heard about, um, it makes me very, very aware of the fact that I am a white man. I am a white cisgendered man. I'm like, I am. I what have does been that so, feel like? <laughs> how does that feel like? Um, very weird. Uh, like, I, I feel like the, the villain in every story because uh at the end of the day it's people it's white cisgendered men that have fucked the vast majority of the world <laughs> like at the end of the day like it, it there's there's a lot to it and it there's there is an inherent i feel like there is for those people that are self-aware and aware of their own privilege that are white cisgendered men there is a a perpetual guilt that we feel for things that we haven't done because it's people like us that have done them and and there's so many things that we are not aware of like it, for example the the inherent racism behind words like you're the first insert race here that i've been with that we are just completely oblivious to because we have no context of how it could be anything other than our perspective it's really the the past few years especially like being on twitch the past few years and the more cultures and the more um diversity and stuff that i have become exposed to the more conscious i am about how little i know about so much i so can much do to unlearn mm -hmm. even for me as like a woman of color um uh as as someone in the lgbtqia plus community right i there's still so much to learn and uh, so much to unlearn from regular heteronormative society right we there's there's like so much to see and so much to understand and so much that we've been pre-programmed to understand because of the way our culture is and mm -hmm. how we grew up and how the general society has come to 
kind of create this like this uh what is it this this reality that we live in right and mm -hmm. all the understanding and history and even just the way things are phrased and the emphasis of like of where history's eyes are versus where the experience lies for the people that are like us right yeah and and that's that i think that's certainly at the moment where at the time of this recording um something that's that's really terrifying about a lot of politics all over the world is is how much isn't being talked about or how much stuff is suddenly being actively avoided or actively covered up um i like the the banning books in schools giving um specific tutelages about who is evil and who isn't evil and all of the things that i would have thought that we would have grown out of a hundred years ago as a species you know but it's it's wild to see it going back on itself and i don't i don't like to talk too much about politics but it is it is scary to super scary i moved from california to florida in the last uh in, the, in almost a year right and um i uh it's such a huge dynamic change from my circles moving from california to florida has been a huge change and shift i mean obviously i have my like pretty liberal bubble that I'm around because obviously my girlfriend is gay and I'm mm. gay and we hang out with gay and open people who are accepting of us right um but it's wild to like meet like family members or just random people on the street and see how how huge the dynamics shift is like from California being openly gay on the streets isn't a, a fear for me you know yeah. living in Los Angeles being gay is normal most people are queer over there like it's not uh, you won't not see somebody queer on the streets being openly queer right um whereas like in Florida some people are scared like in some places we can't hold hands because it could be dangerous for us um in some and especially they're trying to pass laws the don't say gay law for example mm -hmm. where you literally can't even talk about it in schools you can't teach children you can't let them know about gay things you know because that's predatory on them right because it's sexualizing your children and i'm like i have seen so like like for example i've seen gossip girl or sabrina the teenage witch the new one where they're sexualizing 16 year olds they're having sex in schools they're having romances what's the difference if it's a gay couple versus a straight couple how is that not sexualizing are you well, to be honest you with know you, teaching it's... them about their sexuality yeah and empowering them with that but know? it's actually worse than that because it actually boils down to to much much younger ages like how many times has a, a three-year-old come out of school holding hands with somebody of the opposite gender and some person turns around and goes oh is that your girlfriend you, you're immediately putting these two children in in relationship dynamics in a heteronormative relationship dynamic it if you see two little boys little three-year-old boys holding hands oh is that your best friend see little two yeah. two little girls is that your best friend two two opposite gender i'm talking the binary here but specifically the opposite genders oh is that your girlfriend that is just as sexualizing as turning around and saying oh by the way young timmy has two fathers you know it's 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 wild to to see that but of course as we all know it's very much a pick and choose isn't it like uh, this this yes. bit suits me this bit doesn't suit me we'll pick the bits that we want to we want to see and we're not happy we'll just ignore the other bits that we're not not comfortable with you know
is wild. Yeah. And then it sexualizes like handholding. If you think mm -hmm. about it, if you're yeah. thinking about like suddenly this person you're holding hands with, you're you're attached to, you're you're their partner. You're like, wait, I'm just holding hands. Suddenly we're pregnant, married, and have a house. Like, how did this happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. All, all I did was hold a hand when right. I was three years old. Good lord! <laughs> Don't hold hands in the dark. That would be entirely too scandalous. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it is. It's it's wild the way that happens. But you you mentioned um, just now about your your partner, um, who, as I understand it, based on all of your social medias, is a glorious individual. So I'm very happy that glorious you're with her. Glorious individual. Love yeah, her. exactly. But you weren't uh, always obviously weren't always with um, them, and you have had previous relationships i am aware of yes i was married mm -hmm. i got divorced god has it almost been two years and you were married to a cis man right yes i was yes. married to a cis man i was with him for 12 years big huge portion of my life um and we got divorced about two years ago and i've been with my current partner about over over a year now and um that's a big change. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I, um, I remember simply going up to my mom. I've never really officially come out to my mom. My mom always thought I was kind of fruity because um, all my friends were girls mm -hmm. and I never really brought home any guys as my as as like, this is my boyfriend. I brought home like one and he was very effeminate. <laughs> and, and my I mom was like, vibe with that. are you dating a gay man? <laughs> are you dating a gay man? Did you bring a gay man home? And I'm like, no, he's just bisexual and very effeminate. He really likes hair care products. Um, <laughs> but I obviously I didn't tell her that at the time. No. I was not going to be like, oh yeah, no, no, my boyfriend's bisexual. He likes anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, and, and so I, and so, um, and so my mom always kind of thought I was gay. She was like, are you lesbian? Like every so often I'd be like, this is a trap. I'm not going to tell you that. And, um, and then later down the line, when I started dating my current partner, uh, I, I, I went into her room and I was like, Hey mom, my girlfriend's going to visit me next week. And then I just left. You didn't even, didn't even wait for a response. Just... And that's how I came out to my mom, I guess, officially. Cause I was about to say, cause your mother lives with you. <laughs> yes, she does. She's been living with me for, oh, three years now. Okay. So. Because like, my, my father, my dad, my stepdad, who's a fantastic man, um, passed away three mm -hmm. years ago, uh, tragically. Uh, and, and, and then my grandpa passed away right after him, all my paternal figures in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and then my mom was alone. And, and my mom is not a person that can be alone. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so she moved in with me. And I ha I've been living with her since three years now. And how has that been? I mean, I, we were going to talk about the, the the marriage and going from heteronormative to um, homonormative scenarios and, and homonormative. Uh, I, I love I, that. I prefer homonormative. I would much rather the world is, was a little more homonormative. But um, <laughs> but like how? Let let's go straight on to how is how is it living with your mother and having a sex life? It's a mood killer. <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> understatement of killer. the century. I love my that. mom is not. When I look at my mom, I don't want to feel sexy at That's all. Fair. I feel nice. the opposite. Probably There's plenty yeah. of you know generational trauma packed in there. <laughs> and now I went from living 500 miles away from her, which is the minimum distance I ask um, <laughs> of my relatives, 
And now I'm living five feet away from her, which is obviously negative minimum distance that is from very much where so. I want all my relatives to be. Uh, I spent a lot of time working and getting to, to a place where I could be 500 plus miles away from my family. And then they just came right in there. <laughs> right. Um, By the way, <laughs> this here we are. And, uh, and what am I going to do? Leave my mom on the street? No. Yeah. And so, and so it was definitely a mood killer. It was a big adjustment. I had to, to learn that, you know, your, your life is separate from mine. Mm-hmm. And I had to just put it out of my head, ignore it. Um, because if I didn't, I would never do anything. I would always be dead down there. Mm-hmm. That is that is fair. And like, is that something, especially with you, like having a, a girlfriend and the way that you came out to your mother and just being like, my girlfriend's coming round. <laughs> Goodbye. The same, it's the same way she kind of uh, approached me with, like, this is what happens when you have your period. So I, I, it was kind of like, <laughs> like, in retrospect, I realized that the generational trauma she enacted on me, I once did a Uno know you reverse. <laughs> and I, 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 in retrospect, I was like, oh, man, I probably could have been better about that. But also, I've never learned tact. Because you never taught me to act, mom. <laughs> so I'm I'm surprised that you didn't just you know hand her a book on how to be a lesbian and just <laughs> like, yeah, this is walk how away. Hey, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> I've this. always expected that my mom. I've always expected that my mom is kind of on the spectrum, honestly, mm-hmm. of of being gay, and she's just never been in a place where she could experience that or anything like that. But she has. Um, this is a funny anecdote about my mom. She has only ever been with Virgo men. She's only Which ever been with Virgo men. Virgo men. And I'm not like astrology hoodoo voodoo, but my mom has only been with very particular, very catchy men who all happen to be born within days of each other. That is that. Okay. That's, that's pretty so unique. bizarre to me, but just like the way she reacts to like lady body parts and like, sex mentioning feels very like (laughs) nipples um feels like she never got to explore or understand or know anything about like sex and the the vast world around it right Uh, of course naturally because she grew up in china um but But yeah uh, because there is there is a rich there's nothing um, like that but there is like if you if you date back there's so much rich heritage across nearly every culture that yeah, is to of, of do sex. with sex and it's Absolutely. so important and it, and it's amazing to see especially uh, in this day and age so many people getting more involved with the uh the sexual dynamics of of um their their cultures and their history and stuff like that you see all these amazing artworks and fantastic um erotic books the like tuition books i mean obviously people know about like the perfumed garden and they know about the kama sutra and stuff like that but there's so much of it there's so much rich history that got like destroyed during wars during like puritanical eras during like the british takeover of china the communist era like mm-hmm. all of that killed britain, it which britain i guess is... valid like <laughs> britain <laughs> like the more especially yeah. as i'm becoming more and more of a um uh, like say more and more of a sex educator and learning more and more about this stuff the more i'm realizing how damning victorian britain the uh no. 
was was on the world on like the the rich sexual history of the world like we literally came in and went what's that you enjoy coital engagement no 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 you can't do that no give me give me a little pipe out no 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 can't do that no not having any of that shit no none put of that those genitals away no put them put your nasty little genitals away what's that what's that while you're at it but don't you know, worry but you know like let's not talk about the the rich brothel history in britain as well and mm-hmm. how quite often the royals frequented these establishments oh, so God clearly man. they enjoyed it they wanted it they but couldn't you just know be seen they had to, to hide it into like dirty alleyways yes yeah. It's very, very much like the way that um, the the sex work industry is treated in this day and age. Yeah. It's just like everyone, nearly everyone, enjoys it in some way, shape, or form, and yet in everybody is willing yeah. to to just happily brush it under the carpet and be like, "No, I'm down with that sort of thing. I don't like that at We're all." We're just gonna pretend this is like a secret shame, even though we've been doing it literally through all of human history. Mm-hmm. Even though it's literally integral to the procreation of the species, uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna no, fucking, no, no, fucking ignore that. So it's so naughty and dirty, and no, you can't have that. Yeah, it's 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 wild. It's really I was built really with wild. pleasure receptors. How come they're illegal? I don't understand. But then I think some of that comes down to. I mean, obviously, I can talk about like the puritanical Christian elements of it and what have you. But a lot of it comes down to what you were saying earlier of this feels good it must be wrong must be bad it must be bad because i mean and then you're going back to medieval times when it was the 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 church trying to control everything and keep everyone chastised and and everything and just being like no it, it feels good it must be bad that's not okay but i don't know why they're all good so victorian for all bad. <laughs> good things you enjoy something it's bad fuck you are um, you feeling joy wrong <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But what was it like? So especially having going back to the the previous conversation around like you being married and then um, that relationship coming to a close and then you getting with um, your current partner, who is a lady. And like, what was that like in terms of like what you went through your mind, but also what went how people reacted to that because i know you've said before you came from quite a conservative background quite conservative area like what was that like um i feel like uh i was really lucky to meet the people that i did in college who kind of taught me about there's like a whole wide world of sex out there there's a lot of things that you can experience and do and it's safe and it's consensual and it's okay to feel this way and you don't have to feel shame and that helped a lot it helped me heal a lot of like the the things that made me feel shame and guilt and my pleasure right it made me it, it started my journey on realizing that like touching yourself doesn't require punishment it doesn't require something bad happening either bad things aren't tied to what you did to feel nice for yourself mm-hmm. which also ties into not even just like touching myself but like also just like treating myself like oh i bought myself an extra slice of cake today Oh, I got into a car crash. That's that's why, you know, like that that kind of weird like superstition tie-in because good things are bad. And if you do a good thing, then you're going to have to suffer a bad thing, which is the opposite of karma, I feel like. Yeah, Where like karma yeah, is... means you do a good thing, you get a good thing, but but I did a good thing, but now I get a bad thing because it was a good thing for myself. It wasn't like a good thing that was like 
outward like that was like, those charitable yeah, or nice or you do something like that. that makes you feel good good luck now you got if it i feel good that's bad but if i make other feel people feel good that's okay but that's <laughs> even worse because it's it's it, if you think about it from thingy then oh, yeah now i'm a people pleaser now i'm like a, a chronic people pleaser oh, because no, i can even... make other people feel good even if and you take it from a, a like like from exactly what you were saying, it's like I'm not allowed to feel good, but if I make other people feel good. That's good. But if they're also not allowed to feel good, then how is it meant to? What, it is just like, but if they feel good, that's their own shame that they got to deal that's with. Right, if they that's feel that's good for <laughs> them, do for them, then that's you could deal, deal with that one. But it's, it's okay for me to help you feel good because um, that's a good thing to do. But if I feel good, that's bad. <laughs> all right yeah okay that's all right that's okay Hash i have 22. to you you yeah. can deal with your own shame but that's i've made you feel good and that's what matters all right because now yeah, yeah. i can feel good about making you feel good but the moment i Without feel good any shame or guilt oh good lot <laughs> this is the worst this is the worst yeah, and, so, <laughs> and so and so i was really lucky to like have already gone into the world and experienced a vast like cacophony of different lifestyles i like i i met polyamorous couples i met you know i i met the whole bdsm community in san francisco i experienced the whole gamut of that beautiful colorful wild world um i i did all sorts of things i were i was with various sorts of people in a variety of manners and i was like oh this is okay it's okay this is all okay people are happy they're fulfilled they're healing themselves. They're healing that inner child that was so broken by all the shame and guilt that they grew up with, that they were raised to feel like it was normal and not okay to do any of these absolutely normal and like actually wonderful things, you know? Um, and, and so that helped me. And so when I first met my ex-husband, I was in this like beautiful space of like, I love everybody. And I love every gender and I love every experience and I'm so excited to experience more. And I met this um, cishet man who grew up in a Catholic family, uh, a Catholic Mexican family. And, and that was like a huge clash, number one, because I was like, freedom, love, everybody, you know? And, and he was very much like, I love that. That's so cool about you. That's so refreshing about you, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then like somewhere along the way in the 12 years, shame happened because his culture versus my culture versus my beautiful experience in college, learning and growing and healing, somewhere along the way, shame happened. And shame from his desires and not wanting to express what he wanted shame from my desires not getting what i wanted also feeling shame from him being shamed by him um and then me because of the shame i received lashing out with similar shame like how dare you want these things when you are shaming me for other things etc cetera, etc cetera. and um and and then like and then here we go lo looping back to the fetishizing the race thing my uh, ex was very into Chinese culture specifically. He did Kung Fu. He did tea ceremony. He spoke Chinese fluently. And for me, in all like written down on paper, that was all fantastic because he fed into that desire for me to feel more accepted into my own culture, right? You, were, you love my culture, this culture that I've been so disassociated for, with for so long that I, I, I'm desperately trying to find a way back in. And you encouraged that for me. So it felt all natural. It felt good. 
um, it felt very like, thank you for encouraging this culture of me, you know, mm. because I, this is what I wanted. Um, meanwhile, not, never questioning, hey, how come we don't exp explore your culture? How come we don't celebrate your culture? Uh, when your family is so like vibrantly Mexican, you know, mm. vibrantly Mexican, celebrating their, even their indigenous culture points, like Mayan culture and et cetera, they would do like sweat lodges, all those things, very spiritual um, South American culture yeah. and, and, and going to their family's house, I could experience this. I could see it. I could, I could, but then coming back to my house, suddenly we're in like this Chinese house, but I didn't make the house Chinese. My, my husband did at the time, right? My ex-husband did. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a different and, dynamic. And in my head, it just like, it, it was hard to separate what I wanted versus what actually came from him because, because I, I was so like, desperate to feel connected to my Asian culture, feeling like I was not worth, I was not Asian enough. I was not Chinese enough because I'm American born. And there's a stigma there from like people who are actually Chinese born versus people who are American born Chinese having a separate culture clash there too. Right. And so I don't think it was really until the BLM movement in 2020 that it suddenly woke something up in me where I was like, wait a second, hold on a second. I've, I've shunned so many people who have fetishized me for being Chinese. I've shunned so many people who have, who have only focused on the part of me that is Chinese and not the other parts. Not to say that my ex-husband only did this. He, he celebrated all the parts of me. He, he always encouraged me to be creative. He always encouraged me to, to, to learn and grow. Um, if I picked up a new hobby, he was there for me to like take me places. Like, like I picked up pole dancing. I got really obsessed with it, started competing, doing shows. He was there every show, every competition, running down the block to get there in time. He was driving me to practices when I was too tired to drive some days or like just lazy, just didn't want to. Like, <laughs> no, we're going to go. This is so good for you. You're the happiest you've been in a long time. You know, et cetera, et cetera. He encouraged those parts. But at the end of the day, it all boiled down to down to the fact that his attraction to me was only because I was Chinese. Like we became best friends, yeah. but we wouldn't be connected in that way. Yeah. No, I, I get that. And that's I think that realization is extremely hard. Because it is it's it's what it's a conversation I've had um in my streams with a lot of people from a lot of different um backgrounds, which is do you love me or do you love the idea of me? And sometimes it's hard to know where that line is. And it's it's not it's very rarely a straight line. It's it's there's usually a big blur in the middle somewhere. But it big is that, that dynamic of do you love me or do you love the idea of me? And it was like we had become best friends and so supportive of each other's endeavors, but we lost a connection somewhere along the way where where the only time we could come together in a way like intimately was, wait a second, you're only attracted because I look the way I do. Yeah. Like, despite all these things that we've come together and we can support each other in, this was not, this was not the deal. Like, I didn't want you to want me for, for this face.
I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, it's all aesthetics, right? Like, you get attracted <laughs> to a person because of how they look yeah. and stuff like that. But, like, it could be any girl. Yeah. It, you want it to... It could be any woman that looked similar to me. And it yeah. was. You and, know, uh... it was many women along the way that looked similar to me. Yeah. That yeah. was the problem. That, yeah, that is, it is the problem because it, it's like... It's that whole dynamic of you want you want somebody to be attracted to you because you're a beautiful woman, not because you're an Asian woman. Yes. Yeah, and and I get that. I really do get that. Um, because I, I, there's a certain amount of fetishization that comes from being a, a man. Obviously, nowhere near in comparison, <laughs> but um, that, but from being a a very effeminate man in makeup oh. and. Um, I definitely felt it as I've traveled to other countries and what have you and, and seen people stare at me, usually men stare at me, usually in countries where homosexuality is illegal. And it's just that whole, no, oh, hello, yeah, blonde, lean, white man. Okay, here we go. And With an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's this unlocked part of me that I can finally access because you're, the way you look gives me permission to. Yes. Oh, God, Which, yes. Obviously, it doesn't. No. But Consent in all things, friends. Consent in all things. Always. Because it's the most important thing. In, in all things, it is the most important thing. Um, and that is uh, quite the, uh, the somber note to, to end on. But I think it's an important <laughs> note to, to end on in the, the regards that it's really important to see beyond um, aesthetics. It's very important to see beyond... Um, the parts of or, or the things that somebody does or the parts of a, a person's history or heritage or what have you that is that appeals to you and see them as a person and if is it their uh, in in this dynamic as we've been talking here is it their culture is it their heritage is it their um aesthetics in reference to those culture and heritage that someone is attracted to or is it the culture itself that you're attracted to you know is it the person or is it the culture? Yeah. And like after experiencing that and knowing that I was in that kind of relationship for such a long time, like being with my partner now, it's so vastly different. You know, my culture is cool. It's very mm -hmm. interesting for her to experience and explore and, and like be exposed to for the first time, you know, like so in, in such a way. Um, but then turn around like that doesn't matter. Like I could be anybody. You know, you know, I was just about to ask. I was just about to ask how how your um how your current relationship has has she been. She doesn't in care comparison. that I'm Asian. You know, she that could matter less. It's cool. It's a cool aspect of me. Yeah. But the parts of me that I I that feel loved are so un, like a feeling of unconditional love. Where mm -hmm. even though I could I could be Hispanic, I could be I could be a black woman, I could be anybody. You know. Yeah. Um, but because I'm me, the person I am. That's that's why she's here, you know. Yeah, and that's, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. It's fucking beautiful, is what it is. Because it's it's one of those rare things, and and I always question it in in all of my previous relationships as well. Is is like I'm a very aesthetically driven person. Like I I fall in love with a person. But the thing that draws me to that person is aesthetics. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of this that this is an aspect of me, um, and the kind of person that I am. But and and it does make me question these things. It does make me question these things. And to see that you found somebody that 
has taken all of the aspects that make you you and that's the bit that they fall in love with the the rich cultural heritage um and, and everything else is just a bonus that's like the nice little yeah the icing on top of your very taste well i was about to say very tasty cake and that sounds very inappropriate <laughs> but um <laughs> but i the, mean <laughs> in a euphemism I was going for a more innocent vibe. Something, um, I something swear. Something gay, something, something <laughs> women with cake, something, something. Ah, oh, do you know what? Time. I can't do it. I can't do it. Nothing I ever say is ever going to be innocent. It no, never no, works that way. Not. Take that out of context. <laughs> Somebody's definitely going to click context. that. Still the same. Oh, did you hear? Valen Vane hits on his guests. Fucking outrageous. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Amazing. Amazing. Well, that was an amazing point to, to finish on. No, no one's ever going to take that out of context ever. Good Lord. <laughs> you could say it really. Fuck the cake. Oh, good Lord. Really? Really? You're bringing puns and dad to. jokes to me. To. It was right there. It was so. Outrageous is what it is. Outrageous. Juicy. <laughs> Juicy. <laughs> And it spirals out of control once again. Here we go. We've lost it. <laughs> the wheels, hands off. Oh my lord! Right. Okay. Let's let's bring this buzz back on on track, shall we? I don't know why it's on track, but it apparently is. Um, Amy, sometimes you beautiful individual. Thank you so much for coming and joining me on the podcast. I know we've overran slightly, but it's been a wonderful speaking to you, and I've really really enjoyed the conversation. Where can people find you? can find me as Amy sometimes pretty much everywhere. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Twitch. Is there anything else? It's probably Amy sometimes if there is. <laughs> it's probably Amy sometimes anywhere. And for those people that are listening and watching on the YouTubes or listening on whatever podcast you are, I will, of course, put um, Amy's links once again down below in all of the uh, description and what have you. Um, Thank you very much for being here, Amy. It's been an absolute Thank pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Valen. I have so many more questions um, in regards to your your life now that you've uh, opened up about certain aspects of it. So I'm, I'm sure we'll drag you back on in the future and just be like, right, okay, tell me about the fetish scene in San Francisco. Hmm, how interesting. Oh my gosh, so, you know? <laughs> I have so many stories. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I, that, those stories are juicy and... Oh, uh, they as juicy as cake. Behind a paywall. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, you'll find I'm I'm just an open book. I probably share too much about myself, honestly, on the internet. <laughs> I I have definitely found out about a lot more about you than than I was expecting, and now I won't question it too much when I come into your stream and everyone's shouting Asian lips. You know, I think that, that was a story I never knew the I wanted. Only time that it's appropriate to utilize those words in <laughs> the same sentence in a chat with an Asian woman. <laughs> Who has context and has explained that context to the chat. All right, that is <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right.